You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, good morning. It is always good to be together. I definitely missed, enjoyed a little bit of a break, but missed being together. Um, is, do we have a clicker, please, if possible? Thank you. Well, if you are visiting with us for the first time today, a warm welcome to you. We are beginning a new series this year uh, called Focus on Jesus. Um, you know, it's very easy, isn't it, just to live our lives and be, be Christians and be religious. And sometimes Jesus doesn't get the attention, sadly, and the focus that he deserves within our lives. And so we're going to spend the entire year studying out the book of John. Um, and John's writings to be able to really help us to, to home in on what is Jesus' call for our lives individually. But, but, and the reason why we're, we're doing that is because we finished, we were doing Hebrews 11 last year. And Hebrews 12, the very next step is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so we're going to be beginning our year with a, a, a mini-series from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, called Run the Race. And so today I'm going to be speaking about, and we're going to look at four things that could help us to run our race well. And those things that the first one today is lose the weight. Now, I know that lots of people maybe think about beginning of the year, having these resolutions and these goals. Sometimes losing weight can be one of those, but that's not where I'm going, okay? It's losing the weight. And so we'll find out what that means um, in a moment. Next week, Steve is going to be talking about run with endurance And so we have a four-week series all about running the race. We're looking forward to that. Let us pray before we get into the scriptures today. Father, we're very grateful, Lord, for your love. We're grateful, Father, for this community. We're grateful, Father, for this opportunity that we have as a church to focus on your Son. We know that there is nothing better that we can do with our lives than to learn how to be like him, how to live our lives like him, and how to have an impact on the world as he did as well. We pray, Father, that today that you will speak to us individually, but also as a community, that you'll make it clear to us, Father, how we can grow the things that we might need to lose so that we can take on more of Christ. We thank you for your word. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to be speaking on verse 1 today. So the Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded... By such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So it starts here by reminding us of all of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And I think it's important that we are reminded of them. And it says here that they are a cloud of witnesses. Now, they're not looking down at us, but they are there as a witness of what it means to be faithful. And the thing that I like about those people, if we remember, is that they were ordinary men and women who had flaws just like you and me. They had failures, they had weaknesses, they messed up, but there was one thing that put them into that Hebrews 11 hall of faith, was that they chose to be faithful and they made faithful decisions. And therefore, they're in there to say, do you know what? You don't have to be an Abraham. You don't have to be a Sarah in order to be faithful. 
Some of us maybe sometimes think, where's my burning bush? Where's my sign? Where's my miracle? Jesus is the miracle. We just need to be, strive to be like him and choose to be faithful. That is us running our race well. And the reason why they're there is to remind us of that. That ordinary people with a little bit of faith, God can do great things. Okay? There's a great quote that I heard over Christmas. It's so good, it could almost be in the Bible. So I'm going to say the quote and see if any of you recognize who said said this quote. Okay? Here's the quote. It's not our abilities that show what we truly are. It's our choices. Any takers? It's not our abilities that show what we truly are. It's our choices. Any ideas? No? Professor Dumbledore. Did someone... Mark, did you get it? Alright, well done. I've watched Harry Potter for years, but for some reason, that quote jumped out at me over the Christmas holidays as we were watching the movies. That is a great quote, right? It's awesome. And I think it fits in so much to Hebrews 11, focusing on Jesus, our life as a Christian. That yes, you know what? We can be in the right place, we can have great ability, but if we don't choose well, then all of that is in vain. Okay? It's all in vain. And so as we go back to um, Hebrews 12, all we're called to do to run this race well is to choose well. Is to choose to be faithful. Is to choose Jesus. That's what it means for you and me to run our race well. So my book of the year that I'm reading is uh, a book by Dallas Willard and it's called Renewing the Christian Mind. It's amazing. If you don't have a book, I would recommend that you read this book. Okay? If you don't have a book for the year. Dallas Willard was a, uh, a Christian um, philosophy lecturer at UCLA. And uh, he, he developed a whole focus on spiritual formation. And he came up with this, 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 this idea through his studies... And it's not really an idea, it's the reality, is that human beings, we are way too impulse driven. We feel something and then we just do it. We're almost, it's like an animal instinct. If we desire something, we often will run after that desire. And he says that's a problem for us as human beings, but particularly it's a problem for Christians. Because our human desire or our impulse isn't necessarily Christ-like. And so he talks about how instead, instead of us being impulse-driven, we need to have a reflective will. Now let me talk about this for a little bit and you'll understand why. So Romans chapter 12, remember when we looked at that last year and it says, Be renewed by the transformation, or be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You see, for us, God is continually wanting there to be a whole person, holistic transformation that takes place within our lives. And in order for that to happen, we have to retrain our brain so that it's more likely to think about the things of God, 
to strive to be more like Christ. However, if we tend to only run after what we feel and what we desire, then that's the thing that gets more airtime than actually a deep reflective will thinking about Jesus. Does that make sense? So the more time that we allow ourselves the space to reflect and to think about the choices that we, that God wants us to make, then the less the grip of sin and entanglement of the world will have on us and the more like Christ we will become. But it's got to be intentional. We can't just go through the motions of things and think that change is going to happen just because we're in the right environment. Just because we read our Bibles and our pray and we pray doesn't automatically mean that we will be transformed into the likeness of Christ. They are just a means to an end. Prayer, Bible study, coming to church, they are not an end within themselves. They lead us on that journey towards Christ. Let me give you an example, an illustration. So when I came out of college, uh, I got a job just for, I was about to go back and do my teacher training, uh, but I got a job just for six months working in a, a posh health club in London. And we had like BBC TV presenters would come into the health club. It was a really nice place. But there were some people in there and a group of guys who would come in pretty much, you know, almost every day and... Um, Let's just say they were not in the best of shape. So they would come and they would work out, you know, for a little bit, for like 10 minutes. And then they would stand on the treadmill with their legs apart like this. And the treadmill belt is running, but they are not running. They're just standing there like (sighs) exhausted just after 10 minutes of running or whatever they were doing. Then after that, They would go down to the cafeteria in the health club and they would eat a full English breakfast. Now, don't be thrown off by the baked beans. It works. I know that some of you are critical of that. But baked beans work in this type of breakfast. Trust me. Anyway. So those guys, they were in the right environment. They even had the correct equipment. They were even on the equipment but they were choosing poorly. They were making bad choices. They were not putting, making the most of what God is, of what they had been given in order to be healthy. And I think that's so much of us sometimes. That we can be in the right environment. We can be in an awesome church. We can read our Bibles. We can pray. We can have everything that we need, remember, for life and for godliness. But if we don't use these things, if we don't create the spaces that we need to really think about how am I doing, is this having an impact on my life, then we can be just like those guys. This is why the Bible says we have to throw off everything that hinders. You know, this idea of throwing off, and it talks about in the passage, it says, if we're not careful, we can try to run this race but allow ourselves to be encumbered, to be weighed down by all this extra weight that we carry along with us. How do you think it is for this woman running with this bag behind her? Pretty easy? I don't think so. Gets tripped up, gets weighed down, gets slowed down. This is not a good way to run. But we run like this sometimes. We are running in the same way. 
with the weight of sin around us, with the entanglement of the world, with bad choices in our lives, we're all guilty of it, and me too. Ultimately, those things have one purpose. That's to slow us down. And so today, this week, I'd like us all to engage in reflective thinking. To align our thinking and our will with that of Jesus. To put into practice what does it mean to choose well. To think, is this good for me? If it's not, let me align it with that of Christ. You know, lots of people enter the year with New Year's resolutions. Grant mentioned those. And maybe these, these have been one of yours. To pray more or to read the Bible more. To overcome a particular sin or to give more. Whatever it might be. These are good things. But I, met, I read a marriage article just last week. And it said, instead of making New Year's resolutions in your marriage, make a decision to be more aligned with your spouse this year. What can you do to be more aligned with your spouse? And talk about any misalignments that there may be, and how can you walk towards being more aligned? I thought that's a great way to approach married life and approach the year ahead. But in the same way, I think it's important for us to do the same thing with Christ this year. If we just make this a year of alignment, I'm not saying we change our focus for the year because it's all about Christ. But instead of thinking, right, these are what my resolutions are going to be. If we all decide at every opportunity, I'm going to take a moment to step back and align my will with that of Christ. What will we look like as a people by the end of the year? What will our faith be like at the end of the end of the year? It's a simple thing to do. And then this impulse dies and this reflective will becomes embodied within us and we become more like Christ in the process. So let's have a look at our first um, task or our first initiative within the scripture, which is to lose the weight. So the Bible says, let us throw off everything that hinders. See, that's the problem, is that we, are wanting to, we want to run the race. But we have these things within our lives that slow us down and that are getting in the way. You know, there are many ways that perhaps to address what these hindrances might be. And you could look up different articles and come up with different lists. But what might the Spirit of God be telling you and placing on your heart already for you to think about as to what, have, what has been slowing you down within your Christian walk? I want to use today the parable of the sower as an example as to what might be slowing us down potentially. Because I think it's a great illustration and it talks about three areas that perhaps we could learn from. So Jesus says, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. See, what is the final goal of God's word within our being at work within our lives? It's for us to come to a place of maturity. It's for us to grow into the fullness of Christ. Not just a little bit of Christ, but the fullness of Christ. And as each year goes by, we all should be looking more and more like Jesus in his character. You know, the other day I was praying for the Westside Church that we would be so much 
like Christ. That we would be an incredible shining light in West LA. Incredible shining light. And that's God's dream and goal for us. But there's no shortcut to that. Bigger signs outside don't create that. Fancier website does not create that. The only way that that can happen is by allowing Christ to be formed within us. And that's not easy. That's not easy. But that's the place that God wants us to get to. But Jesus says here in this text, he's saying, listen, it's hard for that to happen if there are things that are getting in the way. If there are things that are holding us back, they will stunt our spiritual growth. So he highlights three things. The first one, he says, is worries. And our worries that we have within our lives. How could we list these? These could be worries. They could be anxieties. Past hurts. Disappointments. You see, the problem with all of those is that they make us lose sight of God And often we can be tempted to take matters into our own hands. Think about worry. Worry is the opposite of faith. It's the opposite of trust. And the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. So if we are so consumed by worry, God then suddenly becomes small and our problems become big. That's That's an issue. Jesus though, he even had a time of worry and anxiety. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane, and we'll finish there a little bit later on. You see, God doesn't say it's sin for us to have anxiety or worry, but it's how we handle them, that's the thing that makes the difference. That's the thing that determines whether these worries will either choke our spiritual lives, or whether they will cause them to flourish because we've gone to God as a result. You see, worry competes with our faith, it competes for our time, and it competes for our mental energy. Our emotions are powerful drivers within our lives, are they not? We've been given emotions for a reason, but what we do with them is that makes the difference. Here in 1 Peter chapter 5, we're told, cast your anxiety onto God because he cares for us. He doesn't say, just deal with it yourself. Good luck with that. He says, no, no, no. Come and cast it on me. Throw them onto me. Why? Because God is omnibenevolent. Because God is omniscient. Because God is, is uh, what's my third one I have? Omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There is nothing that he cannot do. He he wants to help us in these things. And the Bible says he cares for us. You know, over the Christmas period, I was out on a prayer walk, and I, I suddenly was kind of praying about things that I felt burdened by. Now, Steve mentioned in his, you know, his um, New Year's Eve message about Jesus' burden for us, his yoke, is a, it's a good burden. It's not to weigh us down, but it's to almost like give us a focus and a goal within our lives, but Jesus is there to help us with it. And so I was feeling burdened by different things. And some of them were good burdens, 
Some of them were heavy burdens. And there were things like the burden of just wanting to be a good dad to my kids. That's a good burden. The burden of wanting to be a good husband to my wife. But there were financial burdens. I was thinking about our house in England that is still not repaired yet. That's a burden. Just challenges, you know, of life. And I was praying through all of these burdens. And it was good for me just to be able to release them and cast them off to God. Because what I realized was is that sometimes I can feel things. And even though I'm, I, can, I know that there's something not right, those feelings can lead to unhealthy thoughts. They can lead to self-pity. And then self-pity can lead to unhelpful or harmful actions in my life. That's what emotions do if we don't deal with them in a healthy way. So that's why Jesus, the Bible tells us, cast those emotions onto God. Don't just hold on to them yourself, because the problem is when we do, they will sh- our faith will shrink, we'll be entangled in those things, and we lose sight of God, and our problems beget to, get too big. Does that make sense? And hopefully we can all relate to that. That's why Jesus says, don't let worries consume you, but let faith be the thing that, that, that leads you more to him. Remember, I said this quote a little while ago. It was from a Catholic priest. He says, if you can find God in the darkest of places, you can find him everywhere. I love this quote. It's amazing. But we have these emotions. We go through these hard times for a reason. Why? So that we can find God. And that he can see us through. So the next thing that can easily trip us up and slow us down and get in the way are riches. But, you know, we just happen to live in one of the world's most glamorous, expensive, wealthy cities. We don't need to talk about riches, do we? No? Let's talk about it just in case. You see, the problem, why Jesus put this in there, I think, is because the problem with pursuing life's riches is that we have a danger to compromise in our devotion to God as a result. And I think all of us, even the fact that we are here today, we have good hearts. But I do think at times, the world and its, its measures of success, the allure of success, I think sometimes we can easily want what the world offers and want what the world says is valuable and successful. And I think sometimes we can even perhaps say some of these things. I'm going to give financially and faithfully to God when I'm more successful financially myself. How does that work? God won't bless that. I'm sure of that. I'm going to be more involved in the community and serve more when I'm more established in my career. Wow. For years I've given my time and my resources to the church. Now it's time to invest in myself. I think they're the riches that Jesus warns us of. He's not saying he wants us to be poor, destitute, homeless. He just wants us to have him as his priority. 
He wants us to be faithful stewards until the day we die with all the blessings that he gives us in our lives. He wants us to be responsible with what we have so that he can bless us with even more. Not hold back until he blesses us. That's just round the wrong way. That's round the wrong way. And as I said, I think we have amazing hearts, and I know, but if any of this resonates with you, I think it's worth exploring. Let me tell you just briefly about a story of a brother here on the west side. He um, works for a medical uh, facility, and he was offered a really high high position, well-paying job in, in, in like hundreds of thousands a year. Okay? Very, very well paid. But he, he, we spoke and he said, listen, I'm concerned that if I take this job, that it will lead me away from my devotion to God and also to the community. It will mean that I will miss midweeks. It means that I won't be able to be as involved in my small group. So I don't think I should take this job. He told me how much he was going to be paid from it. And I was like, that is amazing faith. I said to him, listen, how about at your interview, you just go to them and you say, thank you so much for the job offer. However, if I'm going to take this job, these are my priorities. I will not miss church on a Wednesday. I will be a part of my small group. I will put God first. Because the reason why you're offering me this job is because I'm a Christian. And the reason why I have this in your eyes, this integrity, is because I put God first in my life. He says, okay, I'm going to do it. So he went to the interview and he told them those things. And so they said, okay, how, because you, we understand your commitment, how about we give, we give you the job but it's a shared role with someone else, so there's not so much of a demand on you. He's like, okay, I'll take it. I appreciate that faith. It's so easy. Like, this was a huge salary. (laughs) But he was like, no, God is going to come first. God will give me what I need. And I appreciate his humility just to ask and to say, what should I do? And I think we just need to all do a little bit of that reflective will. Is this in line with God's will for my life? What does this mean if I follow this path? Even though my bank account is going to look healthy, what will my spiritual bank account look like as a result? Okay? Alright, lastly, pleasures. Oops. So Jesus says that pleasures could also be the thing that hinders us and holds us back. You know, this word here in Greek is where we get this word hedonism from which is to seek out pleasure, or to seek worldly pleasure. You know, the problem with this, I think, is that if this is where our happiness comes from, from worldly pleasure, then we're in trouble. Young people, I think in particular, we can go to social media, reality TV, And we're fed this lie that this is what it looks like to be happy in our life today. That you need these things. You need to experience this type of life. And then we can have this FOMO, this fear of missing out. The Bible says God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
So I'm not saying, and God's not saying, we don't enjoy those things. But if that's our measure of happiness, what you're seeing on TikTok or on Instagram or on reality TV, you're getting the wrong view of what it means to truly be happy. And we can try to find and grasp after those things as our source of happiness. If you feel like you can sometimes lean more to the world for pleasure, I encourage you to study out Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes. Because there Jesus says, this is my recipe for happiness. Your relationship with him. Loving other people. Loving righteousness. That's how we become truly happy. You know, the reason why I think these three important things take root are important because if we allow them to take root within our lives, it will shrink the formation of Christ. You can't have both. Remember, the goal is for us to mature and the only way we can is to free ourselves of those things. So here's a question. What do I need to throw off to lay aside, to make room for Christ to be formed in me. And I think many of us know what that thing is. The Spirit is at work within our lives constantly, whispering to us and guiding us and telling us. But if you're not sure, ask somebody. I really appreciate Handley. This week he sent me a message. He said, hey, what do you think I need to grow in? I was like, not humility, because that's... That's a great question to ask. Just really, that type of humility again. God can do great things with that. So if you're not sure, ask somebody. Use the Jahari window that we did a few months ago. If you're visiting or if you've been around the church for a little while and you're not sure, jump into some Bible studies. Allow the Word to speak to you. Put yourself in a place where you sit with the Word of God and say, God, speak to me. What do you want me to change? As we do this, we open ourselves up to a whole new, deeper walk with Christ. Jesus did this very same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he's there, facing, about to face the cross, he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, the very thing that God is calling us to do for him, Jesus was willing to do for us and for our sake. It wasn't easy for Jesus to go to the cross. And sometimes we can think, well, he was God in flesh. That's the point, in flesh. So that he can relate to our weaknesses, our anxieties, our challenges that we face, because he went through exactly the same thing. But he wrestled and he aligned his will with God's will. And that's all that God calls for us to do as well. So I'm going to pray for the communion. And as we do, um, what I'd like us to do is just talk very quickly just for the person next to you and answer this one question. And then I will pray for the communion and then we'll take communion together. What do we need to throw off, to lay aside, to make room for Christ to be formed within us? So just talk amongst yourselves very briefly, just for two minutes. Let's pray for the communion. Gracious Father, 
We thank you so much for the example of your son, Jesus, who, is fa- who as he faced the cross for us, Lord, was wrestling as we wrestle, wrestling for the pain that he was about to endure, the suffering that he was about to face. We thank you, God, that he chose to align his will with your will. And we pray, Father, that, that he will be our motivation. God, that every day as we face different challenges and struggles, as we strive to see Jesus form within our lives, Father, that we will take the time to align our will with Jesus's and with yours. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for bearing with us. We thank you, God, that you do not want any of us to perish, but all of us to come to a place of repentance. And so we pray, God, that our minds will be truly, truly renewed, that we will become that Christ-formed people, that Christ-like community, so that we can truly be a light to this world and a city on a hill. We thank you for this year ahead. God, I'm excited to see how you will transform us. But let us surrender ourselves to you today and throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.